If you got something you want to hide, or you just want to be a baller, like this is it. Silk Guardian is an anti-forensic LKM kill switch that waits for a change on your USB ports and then wipes your RAM and turns off your computer. Very much inspired by USB kill. I made this project because I feel that it could be implemented better than it already is. So you make it, you build it. Three reasons why this project exists. In case the popo or other thugs come busting in. I like that police are the first threat. You know yeah, this guy right? must be a U.S. citizen. Uh, you don't want someone to retrieve documents from your computer via USB. That's true. No, or install malware or backdoors. Yeah. You don't want malware or backdoors. You want to improve the security of your full disk encrypted home computer or server, like maybe a Raspberry Pi. Actually, that last one's kind of legit. Yeah. So there you go. If you want to just destroy your machine in one go, Silk Guardian. I like that idea. It doesn't wipe the drive, though. It just wipes the RAM. But I'm sure you could, you, you could customize that. Heck, yeah, like. you could. Heck, yeah, you could. I think, that, I think that, could be, that could be brilliant. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 133 for February 23rd, 2016. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that might just be swimming in laptops. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hello there, Wes. Guess what? We got a great show Yes, today. we do. I'm really, really looking forward to today's episode. A, we're going to have a chance to talk about something that everybody else in the press is talking everybody. about. Everybody. Every, but they're getting it all wrong. They're getting it all wrong. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, big, quote-unquote, mint hack, the I- ISO breach that uh, has been uh, getting a lot of attention since Linux Action Show on Sunday. Then later on in the show, I am very excited to share my first hands-on impressions with Entroware's Apollo laptop. Uh, Wes, you can attest to this. Uh, the first thing I do when I see people is I shove it in their hands and I yes, say, Yes, that's right. You didn't even have your bag set down yet. <laughs> laptop, laptop, laptop. Like, give me your impressions. I have, in the uh, 24 hours... That I have had this laptop in my possession. I have been going around getting people's opinions, asking them what they think. I've got my opinions. Uh, I've set up my desktop the way I like it. I'm going to give you my first thoughts on their ultimate Linux laptop. So that's going to be an interesting comparison yeah. from last week's episode. So we're going to talk about the Mint stuff. We also have a whole bunch of follow-ups, including some ZFS things that are actually pretty exciting. Yeah. A little bit of bumpy news for Ubuntu Touch's new fancy phone and many other good things, including including some fun news from the community. So why don't we start there? So let's bring in that community. Time appropriate greetings. Virtual log. Hello. 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 Okay, so we have a pretty good showing today. Uh, and I know some of you are already drinking your beers in there. I want to be, I want to first, I want to welcome uh, Graham because he made me think of this. He reminded me. Graham from uh, Linux Voice and from a kick, uh, Kickstarter project we're about to cover. Graham, welcome to Linux Unplugged. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. So tell me about the beer you're drinking on the show today. Um, it's, a, it's a local beer. It's from Bath. Um, I'm in Wiltshire in the UK. And it used to be called Barnstormer until um, they were sued by a company in the US who made a cider even with the beer with the same name. So it's now <laughs> called Barnsey. Barnsey, still huh? Yeah, I still call it Barnstormer in the pub. You know, that is funny. It's pretty, it's pretty appropriate because Wes and I are also drinking a local beer from Washington State, where we're based out of, called Whistling Pig. Uh, it's a Hefeweizen. So, yeah, I like it. it ours has got a 4.4 or 5.4% alcohol by volume. 
It's and they've be, avoided litigation, be. I guess, with that name. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. exactly. They have, and uh, it says, the Northwest Original German Style Craft Burr. It's kind of a confused <laughs> name, I think. Yeah, that's what it says there. But the Northwest Original. Since 1992, folks. That's like saying you haven't heard... Um, Shakespeare until you've heard it in the original Klingon. Yeah, right. That's kind of like what that statement is. But it's not a bad beer. It took Washington to uh, reinvent the traditional German style. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, So, okay. Well, Graham, let's get started with something kind of exciting that you guys have going on because it's really, we should give it uh, some attention right away. It's only got a few days left uh, and uh, it's getting close to the finish line. It's beep, beep, yar. Uh, What is this? So, yeah, um, so we make a magazine. We actually crowdfunded a Linux magazine. Um, and over the last couple of years that we've been doing this, we really wanted to try and tr- experiment with other things. We can because we kind of do this on our own. And one of the things we always wanted to do was write books for children. Um, I've got kids. Um, a couple of us have got kids. And I know this has become a bit of a thing now, but we still don't think that anybody's really tackled, um, made computing fun and programming fun. And so we've kick-started, trying to kick-start a project to make a book that hopefully makes programming fun. The book is actually story-driven. It's got pirates and robots in it. Um, and we hope to inadvertently, secretly kind of insert bits of programming law in there without the kids actually having to do any programming in the book itself. A little brainwashing is never a bad thing. I, I, in fact, I really love the video. I'm going to play just a minute of it because uh, I believe it's your daughter here. It's super cute. And I think the best person to introduce this idea is my eight-year-old daughter, Eden. This is Grace and this is Alan. Grace and Alan are just like my best friends. They love to learn. They like to push themselves and do cool things. And they aren't afraid to try anything new. This is really cool. Uh, And I also, you know, I remember I was pretty lucky when I was young-ish. I had a book called How Computers Work, and it was – I don't know if you ever saw these. But it was yeah, yeah. these really well-illustrated books that helped you break it down visually. And just having something that was sort of approachable that when I did have a little bit of curiosity helped me uh, kind of uh, take it further. tips too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I, I had those books with the source code in. Do you remember? They were like in the 80s, and you spent the whole summer <laughs> yes, typing yeah. in some basic. Yeah, that's where else were <laughs> you going to get it from, of course. <laughs> was, that, was that Input Magazine by any chance? Um, I had uh, Acorn user had them as um, like barcodes you could scan in with a barcode reader. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, so we got uh, we got just a few days left, five days left on the Kickstarter. Uh, looking for a pledge of total of twenty eight thousand six hundred eighty four U.S. greenbacks, and currently at sixteen thousand nine hundred three U.S. So, uh, if you guys want to check it out, go look for BPPR. We'll have a link in the show notes too. Uh, so, uh, Graham, anything else we should know about the uh, the effort here? So, is this going to run kind of uh, in long side, the same sort of the same production team as Linux Voice, and sort of or something exactly. sort of like a sub project? How's exactly sort of situated? Well, part of part of the money that um, we're all really so busy making the magazine, part of the money from the kickstarting campaign would actually go to help us commission out more stuff for the magazine to give us some time to do the book. Mm. We're also going to do um, an interactive part to it so that. At the end of each chapter, you can actually, with your child, if you want to, go online and, and type in bits of code and kind of experiment with the characters in the book to kind of augment the story in that way. But yeah, the idea is, I mean, the thing is that print publishing and magazines, it's its pretty—it's a pretty static business. And in a way, we're trying to safeguard and, and kind of look into broaden our horizons a little bit as well. So we thought we'd give it a go. Well, best of luck to you. And like you say at the bottom, it's not necessarily just for kids. No. 
No, no. Secretly, secretly, it's my fantasy. Pirates and robots. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> and with a little bit of uh, software ideology in there, <laughs> I think it's pretty good. Well, best of luck, and hopefully you guys go check it out. Thank you, Thanks. Thanks. So, uh, Graham, you're absolutely welcome to stick around and uh, chat with us during the rest of the show. I had something I wanted to talk about. Uh, I saw Wimpy on Google Plus saying there's a mutiny afoot uh, for Ubuntu 16.04, and it's it's Wimpy now makes news apparently when he posts on Google Plus because pretty soon uh, news outlets picked it up and covered mutiny, the new Unity style desktop layout for Ubuntu uh, 16.04, and then I very quickly noticed Wimpy take to G Plus trying to make sure everybody understood. It wasn't going to be mandatory. It was just an option. So what is mutiny, Wimpy? <laughs> um, it's another user interface layout for Ubuntu Mate. So those of you that have been following the project may may, may already know that you can uh, one-click to augment the user interface to look like Windows or Mac OS X. And uh, now we've added a look and feel that is... A poor facsimile of, of Unity. Oh, it's a functional um, it, facsimile. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does work. Yeah, looks pretty uh, good. So it has it has the global the global menu, um, and you have the dock down the side, um, and it kind of looks and works like Unity, um, but really it's there to sort of showcase some of the new components that have been introduced into Ubuntu Mate, which are there for anyone to use in their panels to create a user interface that suits them. Hmm. So that global menu can be put on any panel, anywhere mm. you'd like. And oh, that dock down awesome. the side is just uh, an applet that can go into any panel, so it can go top, bottom, left, right. You know, you can align it how you like, and you can... So that whole side panel is an applet? Uh... uh the panel is a panel, and then the the top right sort of the icons are a big applet. At there, yeah, that's that's all in an applet, and that's okay. the Mate Dock applet made by uh, Robin Thompson. Uh, he started that about um, six nine months ago, um, and I've been talking with him, and I'm actually really pleased he's at, he's actually um, developing uh, within the Ubuntu Mate team now. So whilst we're talking, I can see a Telegram group going with the Ubuntu Mate developers, and they're they're feverishly <laughs> working on on new stuff. So yes, yeah, it's, it's worked really well, and uh, and I like the backdrop as well. That's yes, a new I, I like that a lot too. Backdrop from uh, one of the Google Plus community members, um, hmm. Ghost uh, sixty seven, and he's got a, a good YouTube channel as well with uh, distro reviews and insights. So uh, I have had some additional time with Ubuntu Mate uh, 1510 that shipped on the Apollo. And um, I, you know, every time I use it, every single time, there there, uh, there are just, like, to this time around, it was the fact that VLC was pre-set up, installed as the default audio player. Like, you know. Nice. It's just, it, there, when I, here's the difference for me between Ubuntu Mate and Ubuntu. Uh, legitimately, when I'm installing Ubuntu, you know, standard, 15.10 or 16.04, it takes me, like, if I get a machine with Ubuntu 16.04 on it, it takes me less time to wipe it and install Antigross, and then from the command line, using your word, install everything I need with one command. It takes me less time to do all of that than it does to set up the Ubuntu installation. Not the case uh, with, with Ubuntu Mate, and it's, some of it's because of Mate Tweak, Mate Tweak. Right. And, uh, and you know, some of it's like the predefined looks that Wimpy has or that, you know, the team has put together. And, uh, yeah, it's, it is it a real – It just feels like a tool. Like, it, well, however I mean, you want to use it. You just 
some of the things that I just have to do already, like uh, for another example, is install GDebi, the uh, the graphical GDebi package installer. Uh, when you download Debs, that's just the best way to install a Deb if you want a GUI, and it's already set up on Ubuntu Mate Edition. Uh, so things like that are always really nice. Uh, so 16.04 uh, is looking like a, a great release, and so I I kind of had a question about this. Isn't isn't Elementary OS also working on a 16.04 based mm. uh, release? And how the hell do you get your hands on something like that? I guess there is a way. There's instructions for the. Uh, on Launchpad to build the Loki ISO, but I think you need to have Elementary OS already installed. So if anybody out in the chat room or out in the community is up for making me a Loki beta ISO so I could try it out. That would be fun. Yeah. I'm curious to see where they're going to because I haven't checked them out for a while. I've been thinking a lot about the Elementary OS project recently. Right. And they're just taking over Geary and... Yeah, they just took over Geary and have Pantheon Mail now. They announced that this week. And uh, I think part of it is because my son has... uh, been using uh, elementary OS for almost a year now, and it's really been flawless. Wow! And I just sat down and used his computer to set up um, some some, some mon- Minecraft mod manager. I can't even remember what it's called now. And you know, it was just a it's just a clean, simple experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I think I, I don't know. I feel like uh, maybe maybe it's worth another look. I've been I've been following Element sixteen oh four hotness. Yeah, so if somebody out there wanted to make me an ISO because if they have Elementary OS installed and follow the instructions, I'd be curious because I don't have Elementary (laughs) OS installed. Speaking of some of our favorite distros, just a real quick shout out to Antigros, Antigros, and what what do you say, Wes? Hmm? Antigros. Yeah, let's go with Antigros. Guess what, Wes? ZFS support out of the box in the new Cinchi installer. They've redone their installer, a whole bunch of new stuff. They're moving this over to Stable. Wow, look at all those downloads. Woo, 52,384 downloads for Cinchi 0.12. It's interesting how they're almost focusing more on the installer than they are the distro itself. Uh, Cinchi 0.14 development, 148 days of development, 510 commits. 46 bugs squashed. Look at the new installer there. Wow. 0.16 is looking real smooth, and one of the new features is built-in ZFS support. You can install now with ZFS support. Go ahead. Antergos is um, basically 90% the Cinchy installer anyway. Yeah, it really yeah, so it's good that they're focusing yeah, on it. Yeah, it really is. That's why I think it's actually kind of smart that they do this, because otherwise it's essentially Arch. Uh yeah, so I don't know. I think that's pretty neat. So uh, they obviously moved after Ubuntu made the news, but they must have been working on this already. Yeah, right. I would, I would think so at least. Yeah. So this is cool. I think we're gonna have you're gonna have it in sixteen oh four, which I guess would mean that uh, Ubuntu Mate sixteen oh four is gonna have ZFS support too. Wimpy, right. is, is that gonna be available to me in any way if I do an installation? What ZFS on yeah. um, Ubuntu Mate on the sixteen oh four version? Yeah, in just the same way, it will be available on any uh, Ubuntu flavor. All of the ZFS stuff is going to be in the official archives. But that's not in the installer, though, right? I don't think it's going to be in uh, Ubiquity now. At least I've seen no evidence of that so far. And we're in feature freeze now. So unless they do a feature freeze exception, I don't know. But um, I imagine it's... Well, I don't know. Yeah. Are you feeling good? Maybe, about- maybe, maybe if you use the minimal ISO, you know, you'd you'd have to do a bit of fiddling. You could use the minimal ISO, um, to, you know, install that on the ZFS, and then uh, yeah, install the right. meta package for the desktop of your choice. I'm not, I'm not thinking. Uh, on top of that. I'm not thinking it's time to move your root file system over to ZFS. You could maybe make the argument for home or like a right. data partition, which you would set up maybe after installation, anyways. But after your root partition or boot, even, I'm not sure I'm ready to make that case yet. 
And if you are, sure, it's something you're going to set up manually yourself. I'm not sure fine. Grub supports ZFS, so I don't think it could be used as... Um, well, I guess you could say... Grub support P- it just fine. PC and BSD have even better support Yeah, does it, though? Version. Does Grub support it just fine? Is Grub that... supports it. I've been using it for a long time. Oh, it does. Okay. How long is a long time? I've been using it for two years, at least. Really? Well, like a Git yes. version of, like a like a fork? Oh, like... yeah, yeah. No, no. You definitely use a Git version of Grub, but you probably already are because yeah, Grub hasn't released really an actual release in years. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Most distros are using a Git checkout. The question is, does it support all the new features? If you use less features than the latest, you're probably okay. Um, but if you're using a new Grub, you're okay regardless. They support hmm. all the ZFS features. So are, are you ZFS saying you've been, are you been, you've been booting off ZFS for two years? Yes. Well, there you go. Even with slash boot, even slash boot on ZFS. Oh, really? And and how yes. how do you feel like performance overhead is for something like that? It's not bad. I, I wouldn't say you really notice very much. Huh. I mean, I have a lot of RAM on my machines, so I'm not yeah okay there. Okay. Well, see, that's 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 interesting to me. That is interesting. Uh, and I know they're work. They've just recently started working on it on BSD. So that's why I just didn't feel like I had a lot of testing. Right. And it's another level if you expect any user who can use the installer to understand the file system. So th- I yeah. feel like there's an argument there, even yeah. if it works great. Yeah. Huh. Well, look at that, everybody. It's it's interesting 2016 times. is the future. Yeah, it's the year of the Linux desktop. It is. Just depends on who you ask and what, what desktop they're using. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to see where elementary OS is going. I want to try that out. What? What? I agree with uh, Colonel Panic here. Computers have plenty of memory and CPU cycles. Yeah, that's, well, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. I could always use more. You know what else I could always use more of? A good deal. Everybody, do me a favor. Go check out Ting, linux.ting.com. It's the first sponsor this week. Uh, This is mobile that really does make sense. In fact, if uh, aliens came to Earth, they would look at all the other guys and they'd be like, what the hell is the matter with you? What are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? Uh, And then they'd look at Ting and go, oh, okay. And it's not just Kyra. They'd look at Ting and they'd go, oh, that makes sense. That's how you should do it. Ting keeps rates simple. We don't make you pick a plan. Instead, you just use your phone as you normally would. How much you use determines how much you pay each month. You can have as many devices as you want on one account. That's good, because when you use more, you pay less per minute, message, or megabyte of data. Your usage, plus $6 per active device on your account, plus taxes, is your monthly bill. Simple. That's what we mean when we say... Mobile. That makes sense. So not only can you save Earth from an alien invasion because they're pissed off about our mobile practices by going to linux.ting.com, but you get $25 off a device. You get $25 in service credits if you have a compatible device, and they have GSM and CDMA, so you just might. Moto E, second gen, 99 bucks, unlocked, no Dang. contract. Yeah. Yeah. They also have uh, the Tribute 2, which is a nice LG phone running Android. They got the uh, Apple Internet phones, uh, you know, if you want to fight the FBI. I've heard about those before. Yeah. Here's a good one. I think this is a this this is this is the one. I think. I mean, if you don't need like the S6 or S7, or you don't need a Nexus, because they got the Nexuses too. Yep. Uh, LG Volt 2, five inch display, tri band LTE, Lollipop 5.1. Shout. Probably gonna get an upgrade though. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but look at that's a nice phone. Of course, Lollipop's not bad really. One hundred eighty three dollars, no contract, no early termination fee. That's nuts. LG's uh, Nexus 5, the OG Nexus yeah. 5, still in my pocket. 215 bucks. Wow. Yeah. I know. That's a really great phone still. That is a really great phone. Uh, the Aquaeus Crystal, that's pretty nice. The One Plus One, 290, or yeah, 299 unlocked Moto X. They got all the great phones, right? And then they also have uh, just the SIM cards. Go over to linux.ting.com to support the show. And while you're there... 
do the savings calculator. That's fun. Do the say. Oh yeah, Kitson points out that you could put cyanogen on that. That's true. You could put cyanogen on that volt. Shoot, put put cyanogen on that. You know, Ting has a really great community on Reddit on their forums. They post YouTube videos where you can interact with them. The reason I bring this up is uh, they're not going to shame you if you want to put a some weird right? thing on your phone. Like uh, they just want you to use their network and you know be a customer. I they won't not give you support because you did something different. No, I was straight up when I was tra- trying out Ubuntu Touch on Ting. I was straight up honest with them. Yeah, I'm running Ubuntu Touch, and they're like, "Oh, that's awesome. Will you give us feedback on how that works on our network because we're watching that." That was their response, not, uh, that's not an authorized uh, phone operating system, and you're in violation of your terms of service. Like, that's what they could have said. Right. No, they didn't say that. Linux.ting.com. Go there. Support the show. And a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged show. Speaking of mobile devices, Mobile World Congress. Yeah, right now. I'm going on. Mobile World Congress. Barcelona. <laughs> all Chris talks about. It's the only thing we're in Barcelona. Uh, they have a fancy new phone over there at the Ubuntu booth that people have been checking out. I've been watching some videos of hands-on demos mm. of it. Uh, and, in fact, I posted it in the chat room. I should probably go grab it real quick. But, anyways, people have been looking at this new uh, Mizu Pro 5. And the Verge says, not good enough. The Verge talks about it being laggy. The Verge talks about it not responding to some interfaces. There's a good hardware design, they say. But they're worried that uh, it's just too darn leggy. And I, I think for you and I, Wes, that's kind of a big deal, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Um, your thoughts after you read something like this, is, uh, is this just an issue because it's a pre-release phone? Or do you think this is something on a bigger picture level? I don't know. It's hard to say. I think, I think there is a lot with the pre-release that, you know, the fact that it runs, that you've still got Ubuntu, you've got, you know, Real Linux right there that's on the true. phone. A good-looking phone. The yes. hardware looks nice. Yes. I think that's a lot. The hardware looks very nice. And, and it's got a Samsung's – it's got one of Samsung's nice processors in it, you know, like a really good processor. Right. It's got a really good camera in it. And I, I do think that there's probably a significant amount of, you know, um, optimization for touch for quick response times rather than throughput kind of stuff that you see, especially on real Linux. So I'm sure there's a lot of tunables. I'm hopeful – but I'll be really curious to see when you know the final production models roll out. All right, we'll so see. here's what I'm really looking forward to, and this is where I'm willing to give it some. I mean, I'm really, really sensitive to lag, but uh, XDA developers have a video of convergence in action. Here we go, actual real-world the convergence. Usual stuff from Ubuntu phone. Um, it's getting better. It's getting more refined. Um, but that's not the exciting thing I'm going to show you. The exciting thing I'm going to show you is convergence. We've now connected the phone to a monitor, and uh, it's automatically switched into windowed mode. So we've got the uh, full Ubuntu desktop, top here. Um, one of the new things we've got is the uh, switcher, so I push into the right edge um, and I can uh, select an application. Um, here you see uh, LibreOffice, um, this is running, so any app that can run on uh, Linux um, will uh, run on this. Well, ARM Linux. Um, right. Another nice feature we have is when you switch from phone onto the desktop, 100% of uh, state is preserved. So, so oop, if you are halfway through filling out... A so that's kind of nice, right? That's really nice. No, I sorry. want that right now. That sort of changes my opinion on it a, a little bit. I, I know anybody in the chat room have any thoughts on Ubuntu Touch or is actually using it right now. I'd love to hear from somebody who's been actively yeah. using it. I, I know. Wimpy, weren't you trying it for a bit? I Yeah, I've been using it for a while. And uh, later this year, I'm going to uh, have an extended period period where... Ubuntu for devices is the only thing I mm, use. Okay, oh, I thought so. So the Verge really, sort of... the really panned the experience. The Verge seemed very dissatisfied in the article they published today from Mobile World Congress. Do you have any kind of was initial? That, was that to do with um, the 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 user interface and the phone, you know, yes. the operating system, or more the hardware? Well, I, I, 
you know, I mean, it's on this. It's on this Muez Pro 5 that has the uh, Snapdragon processor in it. You know, it's supposed to be pretty good hardware. Yeah, well, since, it's when the, the, since it's the Verge, I assume it's because it's not Apple. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they're and Apple buys or not. And when the last uh, Meizu device um, shipped with Ubuntu, it um, it took a couple of revs to iron out, you know, some of the kinks. They, I, I, I seem to remember, they had some difficulty, um, you know, getting it all working smoothly. So maybe it's just, you know, yeah, it's early right. on. Yeah, and Mar X in the in the mumble room, you've been running it for a bit. What are your impressions? Uh, I've been playing around with it. I've been trying to trying to get it in a state where it does all the things that I'm doing with Android and I find the the I really like the system and I really like the the sort of I don't want to use the word paradigms because it sounds rubbish but you know the 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 sort of the style they're going for with the swiping from the edges and and the general feel of the system I I really like it but when I come to try and use the apps I find that there's you know if they're just not mature like the ones I'm using on Android are, that's where it really falls down for me mm, at the moment. Right. I don't have sure. the features, which I just think, oh, a, a podcatcher will have this or an audiobook player will have this. And then I go looking for them and there's just, they're missing that, that feature that I use all the time. So uh, this is a chicken and egg problem for sure. And the Muez 5 Pro uh, looks really, really nice. It does. Like I think it even has like a super high-end, might even be 20-something megapixel camera, like a Whoa. really high-end camera. Uh, USB-C charging there, it looks like. Or is that USB-C or mini? It looks like USB-C. No, I think it is USB-C. It kind of looks like an iPhone, to be honest yes, with you. Yes, it does. It does. But, but uh, Linux on your iPhone. Hey, that doesn't sound bad. Wide power button on the side. Oh, wow. Look, they have actually have it right there oh, next yeah. to an iPhone. <laughs> Pretty similar. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. huh? We'll say Meizu. Meizu. Not Meizu. Meizu. Thank you. Oh yes, Wimpy. Tell me about the UK. That you that is right. The UI usability study that we we'd mentioned. You ended up participating in it. Do you have anything to share about that? Uh, well, yes, I was actually the first person to uh, <laughs> participate in that uh, usability study. Wow, that was a week and a half ago. I think I was there. Um, so. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I'd be stealing show content from uh, upcoming Ubuntu podcast. <laughs> okay, <episodes>. fair enough. <laughs> but too um, I, supp- <laughs> I suppose the thing to take away from that is that um, they are actually looking at the user experience of the phone and the applications and not just the core apps that are being developed by Canonical, but also some of the community contributed apps. So there is an effort to, you know, try and uh, improve the the user experience across the board. And did you say, would you say while you were there that you witnessed um, somebody giving pushback saying this doesn't make sense and then being receptive to that pushback? Absolutely. Oh, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that's that goes a long way. And then they can also say, you know, we've tested this. So yeah, exactly. they always right. have we have defense. studies. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Speaking of testing, uh, wow, 100 million users are testing the hell out of Telegram. And I bring this up on Linux Unplugged because the secret is this is like one of the number one messaging apps now on Linux mm-hmm. is Telegram. Freaking Telegram. And you were looking at, at a Telegram alternative. Do you remember what that was called? It was like an open source. Uh, I think you put it probably in our, in our message thread. I believe I did. They say, check this out. Telegram now has 100 million monthly active users, 350,000 users sign up each freaking day, and they are delivering 15 billion messages 
Wow. Daily. Fifteen billion. That is that is really nuts. Um and and it really has undoubtedly become one of the largest uh one of the largest uh, Linux messaging programs. Did you find it there, Wes? Uh, just about to, waiting for Slack. Oh, geez. That's what you get for not using Mattermost, Wes. I know. After that big... With that low latency, maybe on some sort of server that do we you think it would, Do you think it would be faster? Is that is that a thing? Because, you know, I could always use faster. That is something I could take. Uh, so, anyways, Wes had found a project that looks like it may have some relation to... Actor.im. Actor? Yes. Okay, actor.im. And it looks like what, Wes? This has some relation to uh, the Telegram folks? Yeah, I believe it's being worked on at least by some people formerly associated with the Telegram project. Uh, it's free, secure photo and voice messages. It's all under an Apache 2 license. Uh, and they're talking all about of it. I believe so. Uh, I have not verified that myself. Uh, and they're talking about integrating Signals protocol, which I know a lot of people have spoken good things about that. It looks just like Telegram. It really does. Huh, that's interesting. So if it has the same performance and maybe a better or more open backend, that would be interesting. Because one of my favorite things about Telegram is it really just works. The question is, is what uh, what encryption yes. are they using? Uh, Daredevil, you know a quick trick to see how many users are actively on Telegram at any given time? What's that? I don't hear you. I do not hear Sorry, you. Yes. Oh, oh, there you Sorry, go. yes. Sorry, yes. No the trick, the trick is, uh, they use in at least on Android phones, they use the accounts. Uh, and when you're going to your contacts app and you're going to export your contacts, it shows Telegram as an option. Even though it will not export them, it will show the number of actual users registered in Telegram. Yeah. Oh. Ah. Interesting. Good catch. Uh, I also, by the way, just one more thing before we get off the Telegram topic. Uh, I gave a quick mention during last that I was impressed that the Linux Mint project was communicating uh, via the te- there's a there's a group I subscribe to on Telegram with uh, security alert notifications, and uh, I thought maybe I'd share that with the rest of you since I'd gotten some questions about hey what group did you subscribe to to uh, to get those uh, s- those alerts so uh, let's see it's uh, if you go to telegram.me/itsecalert. This subscribes you to a Telegram group that uh, is essentially a read-only group of, um, well, IT security alerts. Wow. So, like, when Linux Mint got hacked, this was one of the first places. And since then, there's been, like, 18 other projects that have been hacked, and there's been a notification that's been posted on this Telegram group. And so it's kind of a neat thing. I'll put a link in the chat room. And so this was one of the ways I found out about Linux Mint being hacked over the weekend was by this group. Again, that's telegram.me slash ITSecAlert. And uh, you know what? I'll throw a link in the uh, show notes, too, so that way if you guys you guys want to cover that. Uh, Mumble, any other thoughts on the Telegram or uh, open source chat or secure chat before we move on? I just hope they finally get the backend free software, too. Yeah, that would be the big difference right. if uh, Actor has the the full client as open source. It looks and like the backend is there. They have a mm-hmm. server folder in there. I like GitHub that. Anyway. I like that. I think that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, we did. EKS, we did. EKS just joins the chat room. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Just for EKS. Uh, stand by. Stand by. This is... This is CNN Breaking News. Yes, uh, EKS, uh, we have reported that Anna Gross is integrating ZFS in their installer, but just reconfirming, if you're just joining us live now on the JBLive.tv stream, it has been confirmed. ZFS support has been added. <laughs> Knowing Chris, he will be reinstalling his machine right before yeah, the show right. next week yeah. with ZFS on root. <laughs> uh, that's so possible. stay tuned. That is very possible. All right, so Linux Mint. They got compromised over the weekend. Uh, Clem took to the Linux Mint blog and said, hey, I've shut down the servers where this is happening. Oh, by the way, 
Uh, Clem, uh, you're also your form server got down. Oh, okay, I'm going to shut that server down. Okay, now we have shut this server down. Oh, yeah, they replaced the MD5 sums. Don't pay attention to the MD5 sums you download. Use these MD5 sums. Oh, uh, boy, this just started getting out of control. And shortly after that, you started seeing everybody talk about it. By Sunday afternoon, everybody was talking about it. Uh, Uncle Leo was talking about it on Twit. Oh, uh, dear, Leo. Ed Bot was taking shots at Mint, exaggerating the scope of the flaw. ZDNet got an exclusive interview with the attacker uh, and got all the details. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, and and we're not going to sit here and rub Linux Mint in the ground. It's more about it's really more about the meta discussion that needs to happen here. And maybe maybe towards the end, if we could bring the discussion to a place and say uh, where we could maybe answer the question, what could be done as a community to solve the problem of verifying the source and identity of an mm-hmm. ISO? And I know there's a lot of different ways we can accomplish this. You can have you can have lots of different signatures. You can have there's MD5 sums today. All of these things exist. But what if there was Maybe something centralized. Maybe it's distributed, like through a blockchain, some way to verify the identity of files that was reliable and distributed. Oh, man, that could be pretty cool. So let's start talking about Mint, what's happened since the Linux Action Show on Sunday, and then maybe we can sort of end up with that bigger conversation about what could be a really cool long-term solution to this problem. And maybe you'd host that solution to this problem, that long-term solution. I know where I would. A digital ocean droplet, Wes. Come on, don't fool around. Use the promo code DO Unplugged and get a $10 credit over at digitalocean.com. It's a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to get a super badass Linux rig in no time. They have all Linux machines running on KVM Virtualizer with SSDs for the disk I.O. You can get started in less than 55 seconds and pricing plans start. Oh! $5 a month. $5 yeah, yeah. a month. That's right. Get you 512 megabytes of RAM. A 20 gigabyte SSDs, because they're all SSDs. A CPU that's super fast, a terabyte of transfer, and more. Oh, what's more, you ask? Their crazy great interface and super straightforward API. That interface, man, that is an innovation of humanity. Managing virtual machines with an interface like this, it's ridiculous. It should be illegal. It's so awesome. If the U.S. government knew, they'd be taxing them on their, on their innovation. I'll tell you what else. DigitalOcean supplies the back-end hosting for tons of open-source projects that we know, we love, and we download from every single day. Not to mention the very mumble room we're talking to our virtual lug No with. way. That's right. DigitalOcean's your place to go to spin up Linux infrastructure when you need it. They got Debian's. They got the Core OS's, they got the Fedoras, the Ubuntu's. They've even got no FreeBSD. It's true. It's true. They have great tutorials to help you really take it up a notch so you know what you can look like a boost. They make it easy to take backups, move them around, wipe them, and start over again when you screw something up real bad because you know you will. That's what it's all about. And what I love about the pricing is it's hourly. So you could really just go spin up a rig for like a few hours and try something cray-cray, see if it goes. And if it don't go, blow it away. And if it go-go, you keep it. There and when you, you go. Use, I know. And when you use the promo code DO Unplugged, the decision's made for you because you get the $10 credits. You can go create your virtual server infrastructure on demand in less than 55 seconds for free for two months. Now, if that's not boss mode, I don't know what is. DigitalOcean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Okay. Before we get into the Linux Mint story, I thought I would read a little bit from this ZDNet article, and then I'll open up to the mumble room to kind of jump in. Uh, But uh, the hacker, known as Peace, had a nice chit-chat with Zach Zach, uh, Whitetaker. Or Whitetaker. Whitaker. 
Oh, I like my version a lot better, Wes. Thanks. My bad. <laughs> Zach Whitetaker. He taker of white men. Uh, he comes in and he talks about uh, what this guy did to Linux Mint. And uh, I don't understand. Zach apparently writes for security websites, but yet he talks about Linux like somebody who's never heard of it before. But anyways, uh, so the hacker responsible who goes by the name of Peace told me in an encrypted chat, (laughs) probably Telegram, (laughs) on Sunday that a few hundred Linux Mint installs remained under their control, a significant portion of the thousand plus downloads during the day. Wow. How about that, huh? Peace also claimed to have stolen an entire copy of the site's form, not once, but twice, friends, once on January 28th. Happy birthday, Chris. Mine was My birthday's on 26th. But, yeah. uh, and February 18th, two days before the hack was confirmed, the hacker shared a portion of the form dump, which we verified contained some personal identifiable info, like birthdays, profile pictures, uh, passwords, emails. Those passwords also might not stay, for very, stay safe for very long because... Uh, Clem was using PHP pass to hash the passwords, which has known flaws. It later emerged that the hacker had placed the full form dump on a dark web marketplace. <laughs> which well, that's was, what you do. Yeah, which uh, he wanted, you know, 85 bucks because, well, he needed 85 bucks, so he asked for it in uh, Bitcoin. Peace was just joking, or I'm sorry, poking around the site in January when he found, or they, they found, a vulnerability granting unauthorized access. The hacker also said they used credentials to log into the site's admin panel as Clem, but were reluctant to explain how uh, it provided useful later on. I could think of a few ways, though. On Saturday, the hacker replaced one of the 64-bit Linux distribution images, that's an ISO for those of you at home, with one that was modified by adding a back door, and later decided to replace all the mirrors for every downloadable version with the Linux on the site with their own version, a.k.a altered the site links to point to their versions. The backdoor version isn't as difficult as you'd think, P said, because oh no, that's right. This is one of the things the author just threw in here. This is not a quote from the hacker. This is a quote from uh, Zach Whitetaker here. Zach Whitetaker adds, the backdoor version isn't as difficult as you'd think because the code is open source. The hacker said it just took a few hours to repack Linux that contained the backdoor. What does that have to do with being open source? It just means it's easy to, uh, to you do. You know those so- closed source ISO files, Chris. Yeah. You can't touch them. I just like this, and this guy is, like, is supposed to be a, like a journalist that writes on this stuff all the time? Anyways, the hacker used their access uh, to change legitimate checksums, and used, and which people then download to verify the integrity of right. checksums checked out. P said the first uh, hacking episode started in late January, but peaked when they started spreading the backdoor images early Saturday morning. They had no specific goal to their attack, but Peace said that their motivation was essentially to build a botnet using the Tsunami bit malware that we talked about in the Linux Action Show. For now, the hacker's motive was just having access in general, but they did not rule out using the botnet to carry out data mining or many other nefarious means. In the meantime, the hacker's botnet is still up and running, but the number of infected machines has dropped significantly since the news broke on Saturday. Peace confirmed. Clem decided not to respond for comment to the article. Okay, Daredevil, so you think it's not a big deal at all? Not a big deal at all. Tell me why. So, I will say not a big deal at all, because in one, if kernel.org was able to be at our target and existence as a much simpler, less uh, feature-oriented uh, website, I guess it's okay to understand that the project like Linux Mint could be infected. Actually, any project has um, 
that same issue in the sense of there is a likelihood of having you know being a target so this is number one or two most people are, that use the the linux mint already have it installed they're probably upgrading their packages uh which also means that if you already have it installed and your distro properly rolls which is usually something that linux Mint tends to do somewhat decently people are not downloading as often so uh, okay be also all right less of a thing so they it say thousands of people download yeah. the ISO. They say a few hundred are still running yeah. the botnet. Yeah, a few hundred are still running the botnet of thousands that downloaded. Like, how many times have you downloaded because you couldn't find that CD just out of laziness? I've downloaded it yeah, all the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, out of laziness, you couldn't find that CD or mm-hmm. that USB stick or mm-hmm. that ISO. So <laughs> you did that. Yeah, I. that's not really... Okay. That critical. Okay. I wouldn't call it critical for the amount of user Linux Mint has. So, Swift, you also think this has sort of been blown out of proportion. It's not really good to go after Linux Mint. Yes, it's bad for the community in general. I mean, we need to really look at this as being an opportunity, yes, to make improvements. But overall, it's going to be beneficial for the whole community. They're going to see areas where there are weaknesses and then patch those things and just do better and better over time. You know, but trolling different channels about Linux and saying Linux Mint sucks, that's not going to help anything. And it makes me question a person's, you know, really intentions when when somebody asks well, I got to tell you guys, uh, I've definitely noticed that the, the dogs are out. Yep. And what's uh, what's really kind of uh, impressive about it is the dogs are out inside the Linux community, and they're going after Linux Mint and Clem. Most of it, it seems to be a bunch of cranky package maintainers who uh, like are from Debian who've had like package name namespace issues and things like that. But there are a lot of people that are very upset, pointing out a multitude of issues. Uh, Rotten Corpse, what do you think? I mean, do you think this part of the reason why this is getting as much attention is because there are outstanding issues with Linux Mint that people still argue, well, this is just another example of the overall problem? Yeah, there's, like as you mentioned, the package manager issues. I mean, the namespace is a problem. The priority control is a problem. The fact that they... You mean for the kernel updates? That, the kernel updates, but they have priority controls over their own packages. So if they have a package that is in... Your is in, is in their repo and is updated in Ubuntu, and and Linux Mint doesn't change that and doesn't uh, you know recognize that the thing has been updated. You're not going to get that update, and that has nothing to do with whether you have the same packages or not. It's just they have a priority that is much higher than anything else. So even if you install a PPA, sometimes the Mint priority just overtakes it, and you cannot get it installed unless you manually force it. So there's yeah. like weird little bugs like that that Mint has done that are like le- legitimate problems but this uh, overhyped thing about you know there it being insecure is just pretty much garbage well okay so wes uh you have a laptop here's your work laptop you run mint on it it's sort of a standard practice cinnamon edition as a matter of fact True. and uh you watch this stuff uh let's talk here's a couple of things off the top of my head that mint kind of gets tossed around for for not really addressing uh, some say they inappropriately just pull from the Ubuntu repos and sort of ride on top of that. Their bandwidth, their infrastructure, etc. Right. Uh, they distribute uh, – now, of course, they make ISOs available that don't have this stuff, but they distribute ISOs with codecs and Flash yep. pre-installed, which many distributions, see Fedora and others, say you can't actually do. There seems to be no regard for that, although an attempt is made to make an ISO available without them. But it exists nonetheless. Yep. Uh, there's also the, the matter of sort of avoiding kernel updates as a matter of actual desktop policy. Uh, then there's the there's the whole create your own X apps, et cetera, et cetera. 
when you look at all of this in whole, are we seeing something here that is perhaps indicative of some things that are just not properly being taken care of? And when you when you look at it as a as a Linux Mint user, are you worried that their eye is off the ball on a few of these things? They could have somebody come after them for legal issues when it comes to the codex. They've obviously got infrastructure problems with, when it comes to the security. Why 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 wasn't why weren't the MD five sums properly signed? Why weren't they properly signed? That's an easy thing to do. That anybody that has a moderately large distribution would probably want to have done. They didn't even bother doing it, right? Why wasn't why why were these things missed? And I think as shows- a user, does that bother you? I think it shows a lot of the I don't I don't I'm not going to call them growing pains, but just Linux Mint has gained a lot in popularity since its early days, like mm-hmm. 13 or whenever, right? Uh, and it really is, you know, you, it gets compared a lot to Fedora or Ubuntu. These are both distributions with companies behind them. Linux Mint is, you know, a volunteer team, and not only are they focusing on, you know, building an, well an operating system, but building a whole skin for an operating system as well as these new X apps and all of that. But they have to run all the infrastructure, and I think it's showing that. You don't, you know, it takes a lot to do that. And especially if your passion is, I want to make, I'm working on, you know, Cinnamon, a whole DE that they're building here. You probably don't have many cycles left to spare yeah. running a first-rate infrastructure. Hmm. But I, guess I view I, it as I guess a, I don't know if I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I, I mostly, I guess I mostly agree. It feels like, it feels like it is a bit of a growing thing. Um, but at the same time, it feels like it's also just a lack of priority. Yeah. I guess. Before I go too far, I think I think one of the things that's maybe not serving Linux Mint at this point is Clem has traditionally been anti-media, anti-interview. Very closed off. Doesn't, do, doesn't do them as sort of a matter of policy for him personally. Good or bad, what that has kind of left is it kind of left a lot of people to fill in the gaps about what Clem thinks about things until something like this happens. And then all we can do from the outside is go, well, why didn't he have the yep. – uh, why didn't he have the hashes signed? Why was WordPress not blah blah? blah. Like we can all we can all sit here and and, and play, uh, you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty kind of thing. But I, I guess I I don't want to bash on him for it, but I I do look at it and I go, this may be indicative of larger problems. I think it is indicative of larger problems, and I think if Mint's gonna, I guess if Mint's gonna keep growing, these are problems that are gonna get. You have to really reflect on how you build what you're doing. They're if getting, you're gonna be this yeah. scale. Exactly. That's the problem is, well, guess what? Now we're here and we're at this scale and these problems are all And it's those kind of things like Linux is great for letting you set up, right? Like he could build this website on a couple of servers that runs and distributes for his distribution. But once you're a popular Linux distribution, you get a lot more attention than you do if you're just, mm-hmm. you know, one of the ones in the weeds and you start needing to like Yeah, dicks like secure. this peace guy go after you. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Kitson, I want you to jump in and share your thoughts on this so far. Actually, I think that a site like DistroWatch could really help with something like this. They could uh, host the uh, checksums. They could even make it a little interface to where you could download the torrents or the um, ISOs. What happens when they get hacked? And then everybody's compromised. I would hope that they would have better security. I would hope that that about Linux Mint, though. Have you seen that website? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this this is probably a good question. Uh, because I don't, I don't think this is something unique to Mint. Anybody could run into this issue. Uh, I would have if I started my own distro. Right. I mean, it could happen to JB. Yeah, and so I feel like maybe the, maybe we as a group could come up with a better solution, something that uh, is maybe I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to start with Michael Lee. Uh, Michael Lee, he he wrote a blog post, and a couple of things jumped out at me. He said. 
It's also important to note that comparing the checksums of the file you downloaded with ones you see on a website you download isn't secure either. And this is always like, oh, check the checksum, check the checksum. Uh, Even if you're using SHA-256, if a hacker can hack the website to modify the download link, they can modify the checksum at the same time to match the malicious download. The only solution to this problem is to use public key cryptography. And I, that seems to that seems to register with me. Is this is a wider problem that all distros have when it comes to actually verifying the ISO that yeah. you get? Go ahead. Well, no, not every distro. Tails, I think, is the only one that actually well, one of the ones oh, okay. that I remember sure. that actually provides a PGP key to verify the ISO file. That makes it. sense. But, yeah. You know, other than that, almost all projects never do most of the time. But guess where those keys are provided? Are but don't other distros website, besides don't other distros besides Tails also GPG sign uh, Wizard? You're, you're mentioning other distros yeah. do this as well, right? Yeah. So the thing is, almost every distro I can think of off the top of my head that most people flock to is one that I you know everyone uses the GPG key to sign their final ISO release. I mean, it's built by the main, you know, the main build server, and then it's pushed out, it's tested, and then they sign it and say, okay, put it up there with the GPG key so that the mirrors will go and will only copy that specific file with the GPG key that we've signed. And they know that GPG key. Right. And it would have been a huge thing if the mirrors had come back when this all happened to Mint and said, hey, uh... Your GPG key just changed. Is there a reason? You know why? Right. You know, it, it would have it would have saved them so much trouble. It would have probably been alerted them immediately. Uh, Maybe. I mean, you're still relying on end users to check it. And I think that's sort of the failing bit about it. Is it needs to be a system that almost checks itself, sort of like how a BitTorrent right. d- and distributed so that it can check multiple and make sure that you know. Well, if you're the checksum for this or the the signature for this matches well from this you, source. UEFI? We have the solution. Just okay. we need to get the OEMs to install a UEFI key that actually, you know, affects Linux. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's we'll just have one central key. key. Hey, everybody. Secure boot, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> You're probably right, too. <laughs> which would be, which I mean, would work as long as Clem didn't keep I mean, that it, on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I feel like that gets good. But, but up. having that said, Having that yeah. said, this is, I think uh, this is a good point for rolling distros. I mean, you're not installing all the time. Serious. Yeah. It won't be an issue, at least yeah. for that long. Yeah. And, uh, well, people reporting non-user-centric bugs should be having more attention because usually those are not exposed. It's like, oh, there is this thing, but we're going to keep it quiet because we want to fix it and um, things are forgotten. I think before we move on, one thing I wanted to just mention is uh, I was pretty damn surprised at how the Linux community has turned on Mint during this. Um, one of the uh, one of the more popular Linux uh, weekly news threads right now is I don't think Linux Mint is a is a po- is a professionally built distribution, and there's a whole deep conversation going on right there and. A lot of it is a bunch of people who uh, just seem to be upset from previous encounters and things like that kind of right. dogpiling right now. And it's I think it's a little unfortunate. I I think it's unfortunate that this happened, and I think uh, that bad is on Clem. Uh, but I think at the same time, 
what he needs to do now. And if he did this, I think if he just came, you know, he's already been pretty transparent and straightforward. And so now if just moving forward, he's very honest and transparent about what they're doing to resolve the issue and how this isn't going to happen again and why they know it's not going to happen again. Talk about your new infrastructure. That's Talk really, about what you're changing. That's all it takes, right? Yeah. That's what it takes. And people will read it and be interested and you'll get, you know, you'll lose users. Yeah. But you'll get new users who see yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Uh, Wizard, you get the uh, the final word here. No, I was just going to say the main people that are pushing this uh, are a couple people that have a little bit of sour grapes because they've dealt with these projects before and they have had disagreements. And some of those people tend to think that if you don't follow their agreement, then you're, you you know, you you can't possibly be right. Uh, So there's just, you know, everyone's jumping on everyone right now because everyone's going and saying, ha ha, I told you. And... You know, so little for a little while, I think you're going to see people jumping all over the place. Yeah, I uh, think you're probably right. And, you know, uh, that is sort of the price you pay when something like this happens, right? Yeah. That is sort of, unfortunately, the thing. And that is why I broke my WordPress installation Sunday night upgrading WordPress, because I didn't want to be the guy that was talking about this with an right. ad. Please don't go pick on me, because really, I don't have enough time to work on this. And, you know... We need some white hack JB stuff here. Make sure. I wonder if I wonder if this is cross Clem's mind because I've definitely talked about this on air. There's several times I thought I just need to drop WordPress. I don't have time. I mean, I think WordPress is a great, super awesome project, uh, and I don't have any problems with it. But I also like I'm not here to manage a website, right? And I I just I don't. Nobody is. Nobody is here to manage a website. Everybody else has got something else to do, and the problem is that that means it just sort of sits. And it's one of those things that really does need to be managed. Yeah, I was see. I was thinking about going to Ghost. Exactly. See, Edom remembers. Yeah. I was, but then the th- the issue was is that I started looking at all the features we'd have to rebuild, and I thought, oh gosh, well. And the Ghost download was just down for a little while. They moved to Singapore. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. So Swift wraps it up with he says, "Well, Swift, do you want to? You could. You want to just sort of say what you just said in the chat room, sort of as our final thought on the topic." Yeah. I want to make it clear. I honestly trust Clem. Linux Mint has not lost my support at all. I'm sorry this happened, but it ultimately will be good for the Linux community as a whole. I hope so. I hope that is a very good way to put it. That's a good final thought on the topic. If you have any thoughts out there in the audience, LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Look for episode 133. Lucky 133. Hey, oh, everybody, give us your comments, your feedback, and uh, let us know what you think about it. Yeah? Yes. I was just going to say... If I were Clem and I needed to brush up, you know, make sure that I had really good infrastructure, I, I think I know where I would turn. Yeah, you know what? Make sure you got the skills, Wes. Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Please go there. Support the show, but also get one of the best discounts around to an incredible opportunity to learn more. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged is where you go. Check it out. Seven plus distros to choose from. Look at this. 2,333. Man, look at that. 33 again. I'm Woo-hoo. just saying, this is the this is the week to sign up. It's episode 133. They have 2,333 self-paced courses. Wow. 33, my friends. It is the magic number. I invite you to go check it out at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged step-by-step video courses. Downloadable comprehensive study guides. Comes with your own server spun up when you need it. Scenario-based labs. You work in their advanced lab environments. They spin up when you need it. That matches the distros you've chosen earlier on. Instructor mentoring is available. Instructor mentoring is available. Did I mention 
Instructor mentoring is available. That's a big deal for the type of topics. Graded server exercises help you actually get over that testing anxiety. Red Hat testing, DevOps, Ruby on Rails, Ruby anything, Amazon Web Services, Android anything, Linux anything, OpenStack, PHP, Python. Oh, my goodness. It goes on and on. Go check it out at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Try the practice exams. Enjoy the detailed notes and the learning plans that automatically adjust to your available time. Speaking of time, check out those nuggets. When you just want to spend two minutes, maybe an hour, they got a whole range, you can go get a nugget. SSH tunneling, bash aliases and escapes. Bash is, oh, (laughs) the command history shortcuts is a good one too, but I think this one's a really good one. Bash, the comma, is your friend. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. That is very true. Uh, administration with Tilda, and of course, they've been posting their live events there as well. Always new things coming out as part of your Linux Academy membership. LinuxAcademy.com slash Unplugged, and a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. But waiting all episode for this. So, uh, as you may have been aware, Wes, last week... After 445 days of waiting, I had a chance to try out the Purism Librem 15. Ultimate Linux laptop. And I, I don't know if, you know what, to get the timing right on this, so we're going to go to uh, the horse's mouth directly here for just for a moment. But my recollection goes down like this. In the time since I backed the Purism, a company I'd never heard of called Entroware has come around and has started shipping laptops, preloaded, by the way, with Ubuntu Mate. And they have a couple of different products out there. We'll talk more about that in a sec. But the one that I want to talk about today is Entraware's Apollo laptop. Uh, it's it's I think it starts at base price around seven hundred uh, U.S. greenbacks, somewhere around there, depending on the conversion rate. It is a thirteen-inch laptop, and I'm, I have it here in my hands. And they sent me a version of the Apollo, pretty well specced to see how it stacks up to the Librem 15 and others in terms of build quality, performance, and all of that. So uh, I have it here. I have had it for about 24 hours. And before we go any further, I want to introduce Mike from Entraware. Mike, welcome to Linux Unplugged. And tell the folks listening uh, what you do over there at Entraware. What is that title of yours? Uh, hi, I'm the co-founder of Entraware, and we build Linux computers for the UK at the moment and soon some of Europe. And uh, the Apollo arrived on my doorstep uh, yesterday, and uh, it is a 13-inch laptop, very similar in in sort of a look to, say, a MacBook Air or um, or really the Apollo 15 only – or I'm sorry, the Librem 15 only um, 13 inches. Very, very, very good build quality. And so, uh, Mike, I'm just curious. I, I don't actually think – are you selling these in the U.S. at the moment? Uh, no, we're not selling them in the U.S. for a while. Um, the reason why yours has got a U.S. keyboard layout is because we're going to be shipping them to some EU countries because they also use that layout. Oh, I got I you. See. I got you. So uh, a little bit about the Apollo, if you would. Can, can you give me some background on how this computer came to be uh, and uh, any kind of interesting details about the Apollo? Uh, yeah, we started uh, selling one of the computers about a year and a half ago, maybe two. Um, we got a lot of requests for an Ultrabook, and we just found a, a, an ODM in China where we could have them built and shipped over. It, it is uh, it. You make it sound so simple, but what I find to be remarkable about it, and this is something that every single person that I have 
put this in their hands and said, uh, is it feels really, really sturdy, really well built. And um, and they also, people often tell me it feels a little heavy, which I think adds to that it feels well built. Right. Uh, and so I'm curious how... Is it was it a matter of finding the right builder? Was it what what is it that Entraware has been able to accomplish here when it comes to build quality that uh, other vendors sort of in the space maybe haven't gotten to? Um, is it just happened to be the partner builds a good machine? Because I mean, it seems feel wise, it's it's pretty significantly yeah. well built. Yeah, so uh, we approached a few people, and uh, these were one of the few that did solid aluminium chassis. Um, so we chose them, obviously, because they had better build quality. And then the keyboard also. Uh, I don't know what the process was of selecting the keyboard, but versus some of the others, the keyboard's pretty nice, too. Um, and uh, feels good in the hand. The keys are actually translucent, so the backlighting shines through, which is nice. And the fan isn't running uh, crazy loud. The fan actually seems to properly cool the machine, which was a, a nice uh, surprise when I took it out of the box. Uh, was there any particular tricks you guys had to pull to make this thing work properly with Linux, or was it all pretty easy? Well, at first, the first revision we had, there was a few problems with the fan, uh, but we <laughs> had mined out in the firmware, so that's now gone. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. So if uh, there was definitely some problems with the fan, if you ran into the same problems I did. So if I wipe the if I wipe the OS that this came loaded with, will the fan still work fine, or will it stop working normally? No, it works exactly the same as what it's doing now. So it's firmware level then. It's totally hardware level. Well, that's awesome. That's so great. I got it. So my first impressions of this are uh, this is one of the most well built laptops I've ever held. Would you agree with? Oh you? yeah, I yeah. really want one now. Yeah. Uh, so it's got uh, one. Two USB 3 ports plus USB-C. It's got an SD card slot reader, full-size HDMI out, and a headphone jack. Uh, Enterware was kind enough to include a USB uh, Ethernet adapter okay. in the box, too, because there's no USB Ethernet on this. It's got a 13-inch screen, 1080p resolution on it, two hard drives, a 500-gigabyte spinning for the home, and a 120-gigabyte SSD nice. for the root. Yeah, two hard drives in a in a 13-inch laptop, too. Uh Mike, that's a pretty impressive spec, uh, Skylake Intel processor, yeah. uh, and it's silent. I haven't heard it sound since I've been here. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty impressive piece of hardware. Is the, are the Apollo cells uh, meeting uh, your expectations? Yeah, they keep growing uh, as we get more publicity on them because they are really good for the price. Yeah, a base $700. Now, the base $700, I think, has like an i3 and 4 gigs of RAM, but you just bring it up from there. Uh, yeah, so, right. uh, and and then the, and then Mike, could you talk a little bit about the choice to work with Ubuntu Mate? What drove that, and how's that going? Uh, well, I was approached by Martin uh, about a year ago, and we just had a back and two. And I, I was a big fan of the project, so it was obviously a good move to start shipping the Martin machines. Yeah, it feels fast. You know, it's my first experience with it. When you get a machine, you know, with a nice, fast Skylake processor and plenty of RAM, and then you throw uh, the Mate desktop on there with the with the Ubuntu base, it feels really snappy. Just so ready to go. Yeah, and the battery life, I don't have numbers yet, but the battery life has been pretty good, and I think part of that is because the desktop environment just isn't really very demanding. So you feel like you get a nice performing computer with a very reasonable modern desktop. Plus, uh. you get someone like Entroware here, where like they're a company, right? So like if you have problems longer term, you know they're they're going to be around to support them and to fix them. So the number one question, Mike, that everybody in the chat room wants uh, has is, 
how 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 likely and possible is it for Intraware to eventually start selling in the U.S.? Is that a possibility for you guys, or is that just a lot of trouble? Uh, it is a possibility, but we'll wait for a, we're going to wait for a few more uh, a larger amount of orders before we start shipping over there. We're going to uh, make sure all of the use sorted first. Sure. Yeah, yeah, you get it nailed there. That makes a we'll lot. Have to of work sense. on a JB group order. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, group order. This thing is, uh, boy, I can't wait to just keep trying it over the week. Uh, this is this is going to be my main machine uh, for the week. It seems like a great little just yeah. getting stuff done laptop. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to putting it through its paces. So far, it's, it sounds like a, like it's it's silent, and silent is a big deal for me. So I'm really happy about that. And I, uh, one thing I may be continuing to troubleshoot, and I haven't, I don't know if it's just the Wi-Fi here or what, but I've had a couple of Wi-Fi issues where the, either the transfer rate has been real bad, like I'm talking like I'm getting 2,000 millisecond pings, or it just won't find the network. Mm. But I, in both cases, it actually could be interference. So I'm going to take it out to a known good location where I only have one Wi-Fi access uh, point. There's no other Wi-Fi accesses uh, points around or access size, and uh, see if I have any issues. But uh, so far, I, 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 other than that, and then with the Ethernet adapter, of course, I've had zero problems. And Ubuntu Mate has been, has been pretty great, too. I really like the design. Uh, it, because it's a little bit smaller than the Librem, it, it feels a little tighter. Uh, there's a, a notch where you put your finger that kind of is reminiscent of the way the MacBooks do it. Yeah. Um, which looks nice. It really all, it all comes together. It's, it's, uh, it's got a bottom plate that could be removed with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve screws. So you remove 12 uh, little Phillips screws and it looks like the bottom plate would come off but it seems so like far. such a good laptop like you show up at a conference and it's it's just a little different and you've yeah. got it running linux and it works well yeah yeah that's uh, awesome i i really like it i'm really really happy that the uh, keys are uh, actually uh, the the letters are, are translucent so the backlit uh, key light actually shines through the keys which is nice because otherwise it's kind of pointless to have the backlighting mike is there anything else you want to add about the apollo uh before we uh, move on uh, no that's it very good, sir. And uh, Wimpy, was there anything you wanted to add? Any There's thoughts? I'd like to add. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's being far too modest. Mike has an with a company that you'd be very interested in hearing about, I think. Tell me more. They're uh, so- Valve Partners. <laughs> Valve? Well, okay, Mike. Now, are you burying the lead here? Hold on. We have ourselves a little Valve story. i got to hear it. Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, so we're official Valve partners, so uh, we're going to be building a steam machine and shipping Whoa. them out in a few months. Ah, very cool. Uh, have you have you already begun testing? Come on now. Are you a gamer, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, we, te- uh, we had one, uh, our prototype at uh, our camp this year for people to use, and uh, got a good reaction. So my, you know, Mike, I got to say, I don't know a lot about Enterware. Um, my... My initial impressions are is uh, you guys are very clever. Uh, so it, it just it just it struck me just in the name of this device. Uh, it's a pretty great device, and uh, you went with the name Apollo, which when I say Apollo West, what's the next thing you think of? Fast. Oh, you do? Well, I, I don't think, know. Like... I think thirteen. I think Apollo thirteen. Oh, thirteen. Right. And what is this? A 13 inch, yeah. It's a 13 inch laptop. It is. It's brilliant. I mean, it shows you a little bit of the. uh, I I, to me, I think it just it it sort of demonstrates a little bit of the thought that goes into it. Is it's an Apollo 13, but of course the product name is just Apollo because 
the 13 just sort of comes naturally. It's part of it. And it makes you think, what laptop did Chris get? He got that Apollo. And how, how big was it? Oh, yeah, it was 13 inches, Apollo 13. That's close. Yeah, and the 15 should be called Creed. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, nothing ever gets called Creed. That's, uh, that's, uh, that has been banned. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think it's pretty good. Uh, Kitson, you, you had something you wanted to add. Uh, to Go ahead, sir. When you said Apollo, I actually uh, thought art and illumination uh, like the uh, Roman slash Greek god. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, okay, fine. Not everybody thinks and Apollo 13. Have, but it does have proper backlit keys, so it, illumination yes. is, is accurate. All right, okay, fine, fine. All those are good. See, it's a clever name. Nonetheless, it is a clever name. Uh, so I have a – if you're listening to the audio version and you're curious, what the hell does this thing look like? And probably a lot of you are listening to the audio version. In the show notes, I have a link to uh, an album I took uh, up, up at my campsite. And uh, I posted pictures of it because I was like, hey, you know what? You know what makes a good background for photos? The freaking Pacific Northwest. Yes, it does. It's a pretty good-looking state. So uh, Washington is. So I put that up there. Um, and, yes, it does have a an Ubuntu button. Actually, it's a Matei button. So that's pretty Yeah, I like seeing you can customize that right on the website. That's great. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a sticker, but it's a translucent sticker. So it doesn't block the light, which, uh, which makes it that pretty. attention to detail. Yeah, it is. It's, like, it's very well done. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm, right now I'm running Ubuntu Mate 1510 uh, or Mate or whatever edition on there. I may stick with that. I, 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 don't, I don't know what exactly it is, but this particular hardware has made me also want to just see what it would be like to have elementary OS on it, just to kind of go all the way. Uh, I don't know, though, because the thing is, is right now for testing, Ubuntu makes such a great uh, low-key desktop environment that it's like you just get all of the machine's performance out of it. So I just don't know about it. Wimpy, you had one more comment. Go ahead. Um, yeah, the version of Ubuntu Mate that you're running there is actually sort of Ubuntu Mate 15.12. Really? Whoa. So, yeah, yeah. So what you've got there is Ubuntu Mate 15.10, and then I worked with Mike to get the Mate 1.12 desktop on there rather than Mate 1.10. And the ah, reason nice. I did that is because in Mate 1.12, we introduced um, in the control panels... Um, two-finger, three-finger touch configuration options. Yes, and I do and really appreciate that. Had, yeah, so that's why we've just given you a slightly custom version. But um, So if I reloaded the OS, it might, I might not get the, uh, the, uh, the trackpad <laughs> configuration stuff? No, the, the trackpad works on all OSs, sure. but Barte didn't have... Uh, the, the UI touch yeah. options until just recently. That is um, it, it's actually exceptionally nice because so it is a good sized trackpad, and when you go into the uh, mouse settings in in Mate, you can you can say two fingers down is a right click, or in the corner is a right click. I want to scroll by touching the right side of the trackpad. I want to scroll by using two fingers. Like all of that is available for you. Wow. Yeah. Really nice. So that's good to know. Yeah, I think I might stick with it. I, I, I just, I really have very little reason to replace it once I have it all set up. It really works super good. But, the only um, thing I might want to replace it with. Yeah. Sorry. I, I was going to say, you'll be fine when you go with Antergos as well, because um, I know Mike runs Arch. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Cool. There. And, uh, you know, I was also thinking 16, if I, all the other thing I might do is I might do the 1604 version of Ubuntu Mate. Yeah. Yeah. And just do that. Cause that, and that, that would likely still have uh, the configuration options, right? For my trackpad. Yeah. That's all built into 1604. Boom. Boom. Done. I loves it. 
Uh, I have not done the distro balance, balance the chat room was asking, so yeah, there they go. But I might by by the time I by the time last comes around. I think if all goes as planned, this will be my review for last, and we'll compare it to the to the two. I might try to do some performance stuff. Yeah, so you should. If anybody has any uh, questions or or even better yet, suggestions of ways to benchmark a system like this that uh, actually produce information that we care about and that is relevant, I would love to know that. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. You could link the benchmarks there or uh, something like that. Uh, oh, okay. So, Wimpy, I will absolutely have to have Loki if I want to try it on this machine. Why is that? Yeah. Uh, for elementary. Ele- elementary is based on 14.04, right. which doesn't have Skylake support. Right. Right. The and Loki is based on 16.04. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, see. 15.10 or better. See, somebody's got to make me a Loki eye. So just yeah. Because it looks like it looks like if you uh, – here's my thinking, right? You put that on here and then you go to like a mall or somewhere you say uh, – you say, look at the new MacBook. What do you think? Let's <laughs> 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 see what they say. Uh you're in a prankster, Chris. And you know, before, before, we, before we walk away and say, oh, it's a big MacBook ripoff, uh, I want to actually make sure I'm clear. I, it, when I look at it, I actually don't get the impression that it's trying to rip off from the MacBook. What I get the impression of is aluminum makes pretty good material for this. Exactly. And uh, when you make a 13-inch machine, there's only so much room. Uh, I actually, in some ways, th- I would say there's potential. The keyboard may be better than the MacBook keyboard. I'm going to type some more and tell you the truth if that's – I don't know about the trackpad, but the keyboard I think might be better. And this this thing uh, with, with one, two, three USB ports I think outclasses the MacBook in terms of uh, connectivity plus a dedicated HDMI yeah, out yeah. port and an SD card slot reader. This thing might outclass the MacBook in connectivity, but I'm not I'm not sure about that. Uh, and so I don't actually I think it's I think it's selling it short to say oh it's copying the MacBook. I think what it is it's taking design cues from a good design. Exactly. But uh, it also I think is uh, its own product, very much its own product, and I, I'm I like it a lot. My, that is my that's my first impression. If you want to take check out some pictures, go over to the show notes. And if you got ideas on things you want me to do to test it, let me know. So Skylake has got Intel graphics. So we'll see what happens. We got two we got two drives in there. Let me know. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. That's also where you can go to submit content for this show or any other show we do. We appreciate that. It helps sort of form what we end up talking about. Wes, is there anything else we want to cover in today's episode of the Unplugged program? I don't think so. It's been a big show today. Oh, my gosh, Wes, and I got to be the fool that edits it all together. Oh, man. It's for people who like to mess with computers. I am not looking forward to that, Wes. That is that is. You know, maybe work. it just comes out later this week once Rekai's yeah, back. Yeah, right. Yeah, just put it out a few days. Rekai left all yeah. the editing for you. Yeah, that's true. Hey, Mr. Producer Q5Sys got his acceptance letter for Linux Fest Northwest talk. That's awesome. That is super awesome. Of course, uh, we're congrats. Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna get Wes at Linux Fest Northwest. You know it. We're gonna have people up there. You guys got to be there too. LinuxFestNorthwest.org. Be so cool to have people from the Mumble Room make it too. Yes, oh my please gosh. do. That'd be super nice. All right, check us out on Tuesdays. We do the show live, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, jblive.tv to watch that, linuxactionshow.reddit.com to send us feedback, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact to send us in some emails. See you back here next Tuesday.
thank you for making it in. I hope the project makes it. Are you guys going to push forward if it doesn't quite clear? Or what's your what do you have? A, are you formulating a plan B? Yeah, we may try and do something um, if it doesn't quite go through. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, regardless. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, it makes sense. Sometimes the animation's those... so cute too. I like. I love that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and sometimes the uh, those crowdfunding projects break through towards the end as people get motivated. So you never yeah, know. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, Thanks for inviting me. JBTitles.com chat room. Everybody go uh, boat or banksuggest.com. Let's pick our title. Get it out of here. And then we're going to get the heck out of here. So I'm like, okay, even though this is the dumbest idea, I I should probably upgrade WordPress before I release last. I mean, because otherwise. one more thing to do, man. Well, and it's like, well, it takes a while to encode. So yeah. I've got like an hour here to play with. And I'm like, I, I could spend this hour upgrading my WordPress installation. And then I'm not, I don't look like the world's biggest uh, hypocrite, right? And even though in the show, I'm like, I, I suffer from this problem too. I just thought this would be a good right. idea. A little follow through. Yeah. And so. Uh, I don't want JB to get hacked. Pretty solid doing. idea. A couple of things that really bit me in the ass that, comp- that compounded. So first of all, I had to struggle through getting Final Cut to work, which was just a disaster, required a ton of maintenance to get Final Cut yep. to perform properly. I, I, I got through that. Encoding, that's pretty solid. Not a big deal. Although WebM, encoding a two-hour and ten-minute episode, WebM was literally going in real time. And so it basically took two hours and ten minutes to encode yep. one WebM file, which looks way worse than any of the uh, X264 files and is way larger. And on top of all that, like getting through all the Final Cut problems, I decide, okay, I'm going to do this WordPress upgrade. I do the upgrade. It goes pretty solid. Except one of the most critical plugins we have breaks. Ooh. Convert Markdown to HTML. And as you know, Wes, all of our show notes are written in Markdown for all of our shows. And this ability to post the shows in Markdown just broke on the JV site. And I'm like, okay, I didn't didn't need this. Nope. I don't don't want this right now. And so uh, I start looking into, well, I'll just go get a new WordPress plugin. Mm Mm-hmm. So I do the thing that everybody does. I install like three different freaking plugins, and the third plugin I try to activate, something happens, and it just starts slamming the MySQL database. Well, that takes down the whole back end of the <laughs> WordPress site. And so I'm like in the chat. I'm like, Alan, are you around? Alan? No, Alan, it's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, he's in Canada. I don't even know what he's doing. He's no doing one, something no Canadian, and he's totally uh, he's totally AFK. The, the back end of the JB website is down. The files are finishing encoding as the site goes down. I'm like, what is going on? Of course, the YouTube encoding is, is chewing away now. And I'm like, come on, I can't get this site up. Eventually, the MySQL server starts responding again. I don't know why. Maybe just some sort of BSD magic. It finished deleting all of your data. Yeah. And so I log back in, still no markdown plugins. Turns out in the new in the new WordPress, they want you to use Jetpack. And Jetpack has a markdown kind of feature that oh. you can use. Okay, well, so uh, to use Jetpack, you have to activate Jetpack. Naturally. So I install the Jetpack plugin, and I go to activate Jetpack. Authentication failure. What? I tried again. Authentication failure, unable to activate. What is going on? I start looking into it. They're like, yeah, if your MySQL server is running real bad and having some performance issues, uh, it causes enough of a delay that the sync doesn't work and you can't activate the plugin. 
So because whatever's going on with the MySQL server, I can't activate this plugin, uh. which gives me Markdown support. So I can't post the show because now I need Markdown support to support the show. Long story short, I've now been manually converting Markdown to HTML yeah, and just posting that. the damn shows, which is not a big deal, but it it's, it means that we it have broke this, your workflow. And we have this mismatch of stum, some stuff in Markdown and some stuff in HTML, and it's just you don't go have a canonical copy. Of yeah, the show so now notes. he's gonna now he's gonna have to go fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Rick. <laughs>